Hello listeners and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host Adam Scully and in this episode we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode we looked at Bayer Leverkusen and Ecuador centre-back Piero Hincapié who has been linked with a move to the Premier League in recent months. Today we have another exciting talent to discuss who has actually just moved to England's top flight division and not only that but to the champions following in the footsteps of his compatriot and World Cup winner Julian Alvarez. If you haven't guessed it already, or from the title of the episode, the topic of today's podcast will be Maximo Perone, who has just made the switch from Velasarsfield in Argentina to Manchester City in the January transfer window. Unlike Alvarez, though, Perone hasn't been loaned back to his original club and has already been training with Pep Guardiola's first team. The defensive midfielder is a wonderfully gifted player, which is why he was snapped up by the Premier League Giants, and so we would be doing you all a disservice if we didn't analyse the 20-year-old in depth, looking at his style of play, strengths, weaknesses, and his future role under one of the greatest coaches of all time. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast. Five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated, and it helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on, and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Bryant Marquez. Ryan, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How's your week been? Hello, Adam. Yeah, mine was very good, fine, busy. How was yours? Mine was quite good, uh, stressful. I've been trying to, I know the listeners don't care about this, but I've been trying to get a better routine with my like work schedule and getting up earlier. And yeah, I'm, I'm averaging four and a half to five hours sleep at the minute this week, which isn't great. I'm trying to reset my body clock. It's really, really yeah. poor. Um, again, I know, listeners, I know the listeners don't give a toss, but like, yeah, I, I, I know now <laughs> when we finish recording, it's nearly 3 p.m. here, UK time. I know by about five, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be clocked out. So I'm just kind of, um, <laughs> we'll do this episode and I'll, I'll try my best to be as, as concise as I can be. Brian, you're going to introduce the, the player this week because I've apparently been saying his name wrong. <laughs> yeah, so we were going to talk about Argentina midfielders who has just signed for uh, Manchester City, which is Maximo Perrone. Perrone. Which, <laughs> Perrone, yeah. <laughs> which I think is a really, really good player. But if I'm making the introduction of the player and we are re- reversing all this, what about you talking first? About Maximo and not me, like in the other podcast. <laughs> he, you know what? I, I, I know we spoke just before this started about wingers off air, of course. And I said that, in my opinion, the winger is the most exciting position on a football pitch. My personal favorite position, though, is, is the six. I think the six is so vital to a team in almost every phase of the game like they're involved in every single phase it's not like when you're building up from deep and if you're a center forward you may not really have any involvement apart from maybe pinning the center backs deep or yeah. you know but as a six you're involved in every single phase the build up the 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 phase the progression phase as we call it the second phase and then you're you're involved in the final third because if you're not helping to circulate the ball from left and right to kind of in that U-shape almost to help move the ball from or to switch the ball from flank to flank, when you lose the ball, you're so important to step up and, and win it back. And I think that, again, as I said, the six is just such an important cog in the wheel of any 
functioning side. I mean, you look at any successful team over the last couple of seasons, especially if we focus on a man who will be relevant in this podcast, Pep Guardiola, and you look at his Barcelona side, you look at his Bayern Munich team, his Man City side. Yeah. You have your Fernandinho's, your Rodri's, your Sergio Busquets. They are so, so, so important to how his team functions to keep the tempo of the game on a high to, you know, to, it seems cliched, but to, I suppose, change the tempo because all it takes is Busquets who make a disguised pass and all of a sudden, like a flick switches and bang, Barcelona are, you know, increase the speed of their attack and they, you know, they break the midfield line or the, the, the force line and they're gone. They're in behind them. They're in the back line. He just, Messi receives off Busquets and he plays a ball in behind to a, a Pedro or a David Villa back in the day. And again, yeah. it all starts from that six. Um, there are, I suppose, different, or there are teams that are a bit different than we've discussed them on the podcast before, like a, a Roberto Zerbi at Brighton or an Alberto Acalani at Fiorentina, where kind of the central defender has almost taken that role of upping the tempo away yeah. from the midfielder a little bit. But in terms of Maximo Peroni, that doesn't really have much of a, I suppose, doesn't have much relevancy. But from watching his games and his clips at Velasarsfield, it was very obvious why Guardiola picked him out. And you're going to go in depth now about his style of play and you can go on deeper as to why Guardiola did sign him. But it is quite, it's quite logical. He is the type of player that Pep Guardiola would love. Yeah, it's the kind of Rodri, Busquets, yeah. um, Thiago, Xabi Alonso, mm-hmm. mainly players that have, uh, co- have been coached by Pep Guardiola. It's that low that really feels so comfortable playing in front of the centre-backs without many players close to him, you know? He just sits so well in that central channel, moving from one way to another, trying to appear uh, behind the first line of pressure. Uh, So the way he just controls the possession of, Vélez and the teams where, where he's playing, even Argentina mm-hmm. under 20s team, he has played so good. And on the ball, was that Mascarano's? Sorry, was that um, yeah, Javier yeah. Mascarano? So he he stepped down yeah, now a, since, but he was but, under Mascarano, I believe. Yeah, that was Mascarano side. He was coached by him. He didn't have that much success on the team. People mm-hmm. criticized him a lot, but we could have a podcast on him. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the thing with Peroni is he's a left-footed midfielder, very technical. He has really integrated this thing of changing the ball from side to side, trying to break blocks down. But he's really progressive as well. He is really brave to try and break down the lines. He goes down to try and pick the ball. His body turns are really good. The way he picks the ball and turns his body, trying to find... The, the link up play more quick and that is his profile I mean he's very quick on the ball he gives two or three touches to the ball before he's, he takes a decision he takes a he's going to take an action so I really like that that simplicity because as a six and more as a Guardiola six you have to be like that you know you have to be simple you have to be quick on the ball because the thing when you're playing in a positional side like this is last is, is that and it, it, as a six, you know, 
they mm-hmm. you want to move the ball square to break down spaces, but you have to mo- move the ball so quickly. Yeah. If the ball doesn't move that fast, you're not going to do anything and you're not going to find spaces. And Perone is a really, really good player. Picking the ball up, scanning ahead, scanning to the sides and changing the ball or progressing the ball quickly. So he's a two, three touches player. And normally the Argentinian midfielders have been developing recently throughout the years like that. Like a really, really simple players trying to grab the ball and then pro- progression, giving pro- team, um, moving the ball to one side. And I like how he approaches to take long balls because it's not predictable in the way he opens his body yeah. to make this pass. And it's because he's very fast with his hip. Like he takes. It touches the ball, he receives the ball, and then he opens his body and quickly takes the ball. So the ball travels so fast from his foot. You know, like the ball doesn't stay there and he doesn't overthink the decision. And to play in that role and that decision, you have to be a quick thinker. And I really like that. In overall, on the ball and a high, in on a high block, I really like the way he tactically knows how to offer and provide balance mm-hmm. in a high block. You know, like this being on the edge of the box, near to the edge of the box, like the other, the strikers, the attacking players, the fullbacks, I don't know, are in the almost in the penalty box. And he's offering balance there to, if a clearance comes from the opposition, he grabs the ball and again tries to put the ball into the box. He's a, a good crosser as well. Sometimes he takes crosses, he does as well. And it's because he offers balance in attacks, in a high block. And he's very quick to grab the ball and restart the attacks, even with a back pass or a side pass to a fullback. And that's really good to have. That's a really good thing to have as a young player, mm-hmm. in a, as a midfielder, to know how to play in these different blocks and in different contexts, like pushing the rival so much that they're in their own penalty box or playing against a mid or low block. Like you have to bring a pass and bring a solution from the middle that can break the block. And he does it very well. This is a really rich time for Argentinian football. Obviously, of course, they are the... World champions, having won the World Cup for the first time in 36 and a half years in Qatar yeah. back in December. But the players that are being produced from the Liga Profesional, I, I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but the players that are being well, produced... That was good. Was it good? I tried. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the players that are being produced from that league at the minute are so, so... I mean, you take like Enzo Fernandez and, and Julian Alvarez from River Plate, and then you have Carlos Alcaraz, who just moved from Rosario Central to yeah. Southampton, played under Carlos Tevez for a little while there before Tevez obviously yeah. resigned from his role. And then, of course, now you have Maximo Perone, who who is just one of the most gifted young talents they have in that division. You have Thiago Almada as well, who we spoke about off air, actually, who moved to yeah. the MLS and, of course, is a World Cup winner. Such a rich vein of young players coming through. You have Alejandro Ganacho at Manchester United, who hasn't officially made his competitive debut yet, so he can still technically play for Spain, but he was called up to the Argentina squad yeah. a couple of months ago. I mean, like this is such a, a fun time to be 
an an Argentinian football lover, like and Peroni obviously going to Manchester City, like Julian Alvarez is just a prime example of that. One yeah, thing that good. one thing that stood out for me with Peroni is that he is a little bit different to the style of midfielder that Guardiola would usually have in that position yeah. for the send for for the reason being. He loves to dribble. This season he's completed, or, yep. or sorry, in Argentina, he completed 80% of his dribbles. He loves to take players on, and that's not something you'd usually see in a Guardiola number six, like a Fernandinho or a Rodri or a Busquets weren't really players that would take you on as such. They would more so be wall passes or play disguised passes to break the lines. And he very much likes to break away from pressure himself, not by playing passes yeah. or disguise pass or wall passes but actually by using his body to hold pressure off and turning the player or you know things like that and that's obviously a little different than what Guardiola is used to do you think that's something that Pep will iron out of his game or do you think it's something he'll kind of lean he'll he'll use a bit more because it is a bit different do you think he'll kind of let Brony keep that, that 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 ability he has or do you think he'll maybe try and and, and forge him more into the, the stereotypical Rodri Busquets type player? Yeah, I don't know because I don't know how much influence can Guardiola have on him because this kind of dribbling skills and especially from midfielders lately at Argentina, it's something they have in the blood. I mean, they play like that because they are young coach, youth coaches you're saying like it's such an important tool mm-hmm. you know if you don't see solutions you can dribble and it's something like maybe at Spain or England it's not the kind of thing they talk about to young players to dribble and offer solutions like that individually but to find a pass or to restart attacks and all that you know so it maybe will be a thing that Guardiola sometimes could find annoying because it's different cultures, obviously. Maybe when he does a dribble, he had like three passing options. Mm-hmm. And he's success in the dribble, but it's not the thing Guardiola's won. So I think Guardiola would work on that. Would work on be making him making Peroni more a Guardiola and a positional player tactically like that. But he, I, I mean, he will under he will understand what type of player he is, and obviously, sometimes he will have he will have the freedom to do these kinds of things because that's the profile of of the player and and the things he he loves to do. So, I think he could with such a development with Guardiola, it could be a mixture, you know, like a player that's really good in that sixth role, but just adds his technical skills that are a bit different than we saw in recent midfielders that Guardiola plays there. And that does play in to the debate, actually, with, I mean, we had Kaya Miguel on the podcast last week and he was talking about the revolution football almost, kind of against positional play. And Argentina is a large part of that. You look at Lionel Scaloni's World Cup winning side, they weren't your conventional positional team they were very much the players especially in the midfield were very fluid and they had a lot of freedom and 
I think it would be, I mean, when I say that stat here that he had 80% success from dribbles from a midfield position, I think it yeah. would be an awful shame to kind of take that out of his game. Yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like to take the dribbling out of Enzo Fernandez, you know? Yeah. It's a vital and key part of his game. Yeah, I think that this is kind of, the, again, it plays into the debate of why positional play has almost not, I don't want to say killed creativity, but to, to an extent it has. And of course, Juan Malilo, the man who was yeah. credited with a lot of the development of positional play, he's recently um, denounced it almost. And his team now at Al Sadd play a very different style because he's himself is almost yeah, yeah. revolting against that style he used to adhere to so much. And I, as we said, with Maximo Perone, I think it would be an awful shame if he loses that wonderful ability by being more stagnant in the midfield, more of a, a typical Spanish six, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, more European, I think, Yeah, than South American in that way. Yeah. Uh, it's well, the way South Americans play in the streets before mm-hmm. being professional football. The dribbling is part of our game and they want to be like that and they want to add like that kind of um, uh, I don't know how to, to tell but that kind of tools yeah. it's an individual tool yes but it it finds solutions and it obviously adds like elegant and technical mm-hmm. and all that superb actions of play that people love to see you know one thing as well that stands out about his game is that he, and again, is a little bit different to what you'd see from a Guardiola player. Is he? He does kind of like a, a little, a little marauding run into the penalty area every now and then. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the role that, again, he's quite a different player. But I'm just talking about kind of how he likes to get into the box, a bit like Casemiro at Man United this season. It's not something yeah. we saw at Real Madrid from Casemiro, but obviously Ten Hag has given Casemiro a little more license to get forward. I think he scored something like five, four or five goals already this season against um, Reading recently, actually in the FA Cup was a great example of him making a very Roy Keane-esque run from deep into the, the that, that yeah. into the box and he Anthony slipped the ball in and he dinked the keeper. It was a great goal, but it's just not something, again, you wouldn't see a Rodri doing that. You wouldn't see a Busquets doing that. Peroni does kind of, I mean, he chips in with a couple of goals and he does like that element of being able to have a little bit of freedom to, I can go forward here if I have cover at the back, and again, do you think that's something that we'll see pushed out of his game under Pep? I don't know if it could be pushed, but the, if the dribble could be pushed in some way, this thing of getting into the box is the thing I think the most will be like hmm. pushed away by Pep because Pep just wants their midfielders to offer balance and if they want to score goals a long shot will do it like Rodri every time he he, he does it for Manchester City it's, it's a great tool of City's in possession to try and score goals when they can break blocks down so he scored he can score uh, long shots and all that you know so uh, this kind of things is yeah it's not that tactically searched by by Guardiola these kind of runs into the box and I don't see quite clearly Perone making these uh, runs into the box with Guardiola as a manager 
you know, because yeah. if 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 then Guardiola's leave City and I don't know, uh, Nagelsmann comes in, it's a different thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's a different thing. We could see him doing that, and but he, obviously he has these skills and he could develop into other ones like. I don't know. He he makes these runs to the box, and he's a really good midfielder attacking the the penalty area. But he could develop with his long shooting with Guardiola and all that uh, playing with him. And as well, we have to think in obviously this part of the season he's going to be part of the Manchester City squad. But we have to see if he's going to be a player of the squad or if or for the City group. You know what I mean, like. A player like this is going to be out on on loan and all uh, that on loan to Corona or, or or another club, yeah, that they they normally would loan players out to. Yeah, that's that that is true. I would like to think that because of his talent, yeah. I mean, he's a really talented player, and they paid a couple of million for him. I think he'll be someone yeah, they look yeah. at for the future. I mean, we we thought Julian Alvarez would be kind of a player for the future, and he's not become a starter yet. Obviously, it's very difficult to replace. The top yeah. goal scorer in the Holland. Premier League, but he's still playing uh, regularly. And of course, another World Cup winner who, like Enzo Fernandez, he was such a highly rated player in Argentina. And within six months, he gets a massive move and wins a World Cup. It's it's the the trajectory of these players is absolutely crazy. Um, the last thing in terms of his in possession stuff I want to talk about is can he play because of his style and the way he goes about things anyway. Can he play a bit further forward, maybe as an eight, maybe not in a pep team, because I know a number eight in a pep team is almost, is basically a 10. You make those uh, yeah. little underlapping runs into the into the, the positions between the, the fullback and the opposition central defender. And then you kind of play cutback crosses. That's quite a conventional way that like De Bruyne and Gundogan and, and Bernardo Silva or David Silva played when he was at Manchester City. I don't think Peroni can maybe play as an eight there, but say for Argentina, can you see him pushing forward a little bit more as as kind of a more advanced? Yeah, and it's something that I wanted to combine with the defensive phase as well, because he's a player that feels a bit comfortable in these situations in possession. You know, he obviously is a good player as a lone six, as we were talking about, but he's a very attacking-minded player trying to get into the box, uh, being a this player to attack the box or to be at the bo- at the edge of the penalty area, mm-hmm. grab the ball and send a cross, I don't know, an out- outswing, in-swing cross, every type of cross. So I-, I really see him like this kind of progressor and aggressive player uh, as an eight. Um, but I really like him, his skills to be a six. So he- if he... Can train and develop as a long six. I would prefer him massively over an eight, as an eight for me. We've obviously focused heavily on his in possession stuff. Playing as a number six, yeah. defending is also extremely important. Whether it be counter pressing, high pressing, or yeah. defending in a lower, more compact defensive block. Let's discuss that then. He's quite a proactive player and very aggressive. Is that a fair yeah. assessment? Yeah, but the, the thing with Peroni for me, Adam is that he defends as an eight being yeah. a six. Mm-hmm. So he's so proactive and so aggressive to be a six. Tactically, he doesn't understand totally his positioning that he has to offer security and balance in, in front of their 
defense. You know, it's like it's like you're in, in responsibility of a circle around you, in front of your of your center backs, and you have to be turning around every time. Don't without letting players uh, receiving the ball between the lines and all that. That's defending as a six. You know, offering mm. so many balance with your positioning in through the middle as a six but he wants to go out he wants to jump off and he's very good at it he is very good intercepting passes uh cutting players who wants to dribble he has a really good anticipation and reading of the game um so it's really really cool to to see him playing like that but playing as a six you could leave your defense so alone in this one. You know, if you go out and doesn't make good in a good way the tackle, you haven't protect your last line. You leave it alone. You leave it free to not free, but with without with too much space. You know, to yeah. to 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 defend. And I really like the way he approaches to defend, but maybe. As an eight, he could be better because sometimes he just leaves too many space behind him. As a, in as a six, you cannot be like leaving that space. Yeah, and I think shadowing players like Rodri and Calvin Phillips will really help him as well because, well, and obviously, I mean his his manager was one of the best sixes of in the last 40 years anyway. I mean, Pep Guardiola, for all his genius in coaching, was a wonderful player and people seem to kind of forget that aspect. He was such a... a re- I mean, go back and watch any Barcelona game from the 90s. He was so, so good playing that role. And so having a manager that played that position, yeah. you have Rodri and Calvin Phillips, he could only really improve that yeah, defensive obviously. side of his game. We discussed, of course, his strengths and his style of play and some of the good stuff and we alluded to maybe a little bit of a lack of discipline in his defensive game. But let's talk about some other weaknesses. Last season, in 15 matches, I believe, league matches, he gave or he was he received nine yellow cards. That is um no red cards, which is great, but that that's quite a a high number, I feel. Like nine yellow cards is, is lit you're you're averaging a yellow card every three matches there essentially I hope my math was good on that I'm, I'm, math was never my strong suit um, almost every three games he's averaging a yellow card which obviously isn't ideal um, yeah he is quite aggressive in that sense but again it's coachable right yeah 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 I think that's that's coachable and to add another weakness that I saw of him the weight of his passes Sometimes they're they have too many power, and the decision is not that well to take that pass. You know, sometimes he wants to go long, and the weight of the pass it's not that quite correct. It doesn't get to the to the zone he wants to, so it gets intercepted, and then he's going to make a pass that needs less weight, and he adds a bit more. So he has to bring a bit of pause and calm when he's going to strike the ball, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of uh, sensitivity 
to his touches, not his touches, because his controls are very good, are oriented and all that. But in his passes, like he he needs to be a bit calm and add a bit of, of path, pause to to this kind of of passes in the in the way he he wants to get the ball to the right zone he he wants to and it doesn't fall in the ball doesn't fall to that area i think as just touching on that is a really good point because sometimes he I, f- i feel sometimes he would make a silly pass like that as you said rather than being a bit more composed on the ball and trying to circulate the ball with the central defenders or out to the fullbacks or, or whoever's available he would I suppose like last week we spoke uh, spoke about Hincapié, sometimes he would almost force it a little bit. And I think if you're playing a six, you, you, you also need to understand that you don't always have to play a line-breaking pass. Sometimes you can circulate the ball, wait for the right opportunity. It doesn't even need to be you that's making the line-breaking pass. It can be the central defenders and you have opened up the space by playing a square pass and then moving into a certain area where you've widened the force line of pressure essentially. I do think yeah. sometimes he, again, though, this will all, he's so young. I mean, he's only 20. This will all come with yeah, 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 age and experience of playing with better players and playing under Guardiola, playing with Rodri, playing with Calvin Phillips. It will only improve that aspect of his game. Yeah, t- I totally agree with that. If you think of players to teach him and managers, I think he's in the right place, Rodri mm-hmm. and Guardiola. And not because Guardiola is a great manager, because Guardiola was that kind of player, you know, yeah. Yeah. playing in that position. And he, oh, every time he's on a team, he masters that position. And, you know, he he knows how to do it. And Perrone has the talent, I think, to develop under Guardiola and to be better every season he's going to play with him. The last thing I want to ask you before we wrap the podcast up is, do you see, uh, not a future for him at Manchester City, but do you think maybe his development will be hindered a little bit by maybe not moving out on loan or something? Or do you think he should stay in the City squad to improve? Because it's not as if, you know, like when Rodri came and he had to displace Fernandinho, who was well into his 30s. Rodri's only 26 he only joined three and a half years ago. He's not really... I, I mean, I don't see Rodri going anywhere anytime soon, especially if Pep stays. Peroni obviously yeah. will be shadowing Rodri in that sixth position, but Rodri will be playing almost every game and then you, you're you only kind of receiving a handful of games per per season. And I think, obviously, that's not really ideal for a, such a young player either because at that age, you develop so much you need to be playing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, but... I really like to say that uh, as a young player, you have to be playing and maybe he can go out on loan in the following season. Now he can't and yeah. he has been added even to the Champions League list of mm-hmm. the Manchester City. So, yeah, maybe Guardiola is seeing him as a shadow player to Rodri to work on him, but it, that's the thing. Rodri is 26. He's on his Peak performance with Guardiola, his first season, and even the half of the second one wasn't the best and wasn't that kind of things Guardiola wants from him. Mm-hmm. But then he's now one of the best six in the world. And it's because of the improvement 
under Guardiola and the work of Guardiola and his personal work to get into the Premier League rhythm and all that because he's not the, uh, I don't know, fastest player, you know. And Perone, I mean, I, I would love to see him playing as a regular starter in the Premier League, but he needs the minutes. And the thing is, I see him going out on loan, but not the kind of loan that normally you see on the City group, like, I don't know, Belgium mm-hmm. and all that. I I think Perone is going to get interest from the top five leagues, surely. And surely he wants to take those minutes. And even Guardiola, I think, would love to see him taking minutes and developing himself with different styles, different ideas. Because at the end of the day, that is what helps you. You know, the, the versatility of the player. And for me, it it's important to see him play. And, and I would love him to see him out alone. Because the the thing is, how many games he can play with Rodri in the squad because Rodri is not Fernandinho when mm-hmm. Rodri came. You know, Fernandinho was, I think he was 34 in that time and he became the regular starter instead of uh, Fernandinho but because that was the decision to bring a young player because obviously Fernandinho was aging and all that. So, and now Peroni is 20, Rodri is 26. It's not a, guy to replace and I don't see Rodri leaving Manchester City soon mm-hmm. so maybe and not maybe I'm sure game time in a really good team on loan will bring him a really really good idea and we have to see if he has a future at Manchester City you know because I really see him developing under Guardiola but the thing is they have a really strong and talented player uh, in front of him I agree with you as well wholeheartedly on the fact that there will be teams from the top five leagues interested in him because they will see the trajectory and the rapid development of a Julian Alvarez and an Enzo Fernandez and they'll think, of course, I want that kind of a player in my team. And if Manchester City have bought a player, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why. And he's clearly Pepsi is a future for him at the Etihad. And obviously, teams will be keeping a close eye if. Peroni comes on to the loan market. But saying that, City need to be very careful with who they choose. You know, if if they send them out just to send them out on loan for loan, for just for the sake of getting game time, that can obviously be very dangerous for the simple fact that you could go to a team that don't play the style of football that City want to play or that he that sue Peroni and then you know, or if you're you send them to a struggling team and the manager gets sacked and the new guy comes in, you see it all the time. A million examples of a player going out on loan to a club, manager gets sacked, dropped. I mean, James Garner was a prime example at Watford when uh, Ivic was at the club. Yep, went to Watford playing every single week. Ivic was sacked, replaced by Chisco Munoz. Munoz didn't really care for Garner on the side. Man United recalled them, sent them out on loan to Nottingham Forest where he was exceptional and helped them get promoted to the championship or from the championship to the Premier League. Then of course he's at Everton and can't get a look in. You, you know, you see how important these types of loan moves are and these moves for players in their career. Brian, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Thank you so much for joining me today yet again. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. And make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast for you all to enjoy. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.